I have this humorous video I want to start with. His name is Michael J. He's a comedian. And I think this is going to sum up exactly where people are at in the different spectrum of prayer. Let's play that video. I remember going to church as an adult, right, for the first time when I started going to church. And I would walk in, and the pastor was like, he said, I want you to pray with your neighbor. And I'm like, well, my neighbor don't go to this church. I don't know if you need you want me to call my neighbor on the phone? That's creepy. I ain't going to do that. Right? Then they explained to me, right? Your neighbor is a person sitting next to you. Listen, I'm brand new at this Christian stuff. I don't, not, I don't even know you're supposed to pray out loud, let alone with this lady. I don't even know this lady. What am I supposed to pray about? Lord, help these bumps go down on this lady's face. I don't know what to pray about. <laughs> I don't know what I'm supposed to pray about, right? She went first. She was praying all good, and she must have been John the Baptist's little sister or something. <laughs> she was like, Dear Heavenly Father, you said in your word in the sixth chapter, the third, third verse of the book of Matthew, the 601st word on page 1248. <laughs> Lord, you said, But seek, S is in search, E is in everywhere, E is in excellent, K is in kingdom. You're the Alpha Nisi, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rapha. I'm thinking, man, she even know his nicknames. <laughs> now it's my turn to pray, right? But I don't got the spiritual vocabulary to just, but I'm not gonna let her out pray me. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, God, first of all, you are good people. You know, you are good, Lord, you are good. You were good to the last drop, Lord. Because, um, Lord, I, I just got to obey my thirst, Lord. You know, because choosing moms choose Jesus. So, Lord, because, you know, as the, rec as the rocket's red glare, Lord, it gave proof to the night, Lord. I believe I can fly, amen. Don't ask me how I found that. But that is so, I mean, after, I, I sat in stitches for about five minutes after that. But that is kind of, I mean, on the one hand, I mean, can you relate to both aspects of that? I mean, on one hand, sometimes we feel like our prayers need to be this big show and, you know, we have to impress people. And on the other hand, some of us feel like, gee whiz, is, is, our, is our prayers hitting home? Is it, is it connecting with God? And, and really, what I began to think about is, is I was contemplating this series, I said, okay, God, how do I simplify this, keep it real simple so that you have the right prayer, you have used the right golf club for the right shot, okay? And so I'm going to blast through, and here's the thing, I want you tomorrow, I'm going to put out an e-blast, an email with all these little quick hitting di different types of prayers that I'm about to talk to you about so that you'll have them so you can study them, so you can go over them, because the idea is I want you to win, Amen. And so I want your prayers answered. How many want unanswered prayers? Anyone in here? How many want unanswered prayers? Why am I raising my hands? So <laughs> I want answered prayers. I want results. And so God says that we can have results. And prayer is simply this. I wrote this down. It is a dialogue between us and God. Notice I didn't say it was a monologue. It's like a little list of, okay, Lord, uh, you know, let's, let's start with the car. Uh, then we'll work our way to the, to the marriage and, 
You go through 35 minutes and you're just nonstop. And, and Jesus like, oh, and, uh, and can I say this? And uh, Ryan, uh, hello? Anybody ever prayed that way? Just nonstop. Never pausing to hear what God says. So there's, there's an aspect of prayer. Boy, it's very quiet after that one. But I've been there, done that. So prayer then is a dialogue. But you say, well, Ryan, he's never talked to me. Actually, he does. It's called the Bible. It's right here. And it's loaded with tons of scriptures that talks about the will of the Father and the will of Jesus and what he wants for your life. And when you meditate on that, how many understand you get answers? The different types of prayer. I, wanna, I really want to plow through these um, because there's, there's a part at the end um, that I'm going to touch on at the end that brings it all together and, and how we need to be when we pray. So I'm going to give you the different types of prayers, and we're going to talk a lot about the boundaries to prayers, the, 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 the reasons why we have pushback in prayers, why things don't always work out. Over the next four weeks, I, I challenge you to be here over the next four weeks. My wife has got a message that God's birthing on her heart as well. Now, the different types of prayer. The first one I want to hit with is the prayer of thanksgiving, but I also put praise and worship in it because they work together. We're going to put some of the scriptures up here. Some of you can write this down, but again, if you, if you put, fill out that e-card, put it in guest services, then we'll get you on the email list and we can send that out to you But if you're not on the list. But let's put that up here, the prayer of thanksgiving, praise, and worship. They're really three different ones, but I put them together because I want you to see this. Now, in the, the, the book of Acts, Acts 16, the Apostle Paul is in jail. And he's in jail with his buddy Silas, and he's in jail because he basically uh, ruined business for a fortune teller, cast out a demon, got so annoyed, said, in the name of Jesus, come out. So now all of a sudden she's useless to her slave traders. And so now all of a sudden they're in jail and it's midnight. Now let me tell you the typical posture of most of us when we're in jail after doing an incredible thing for God. Jesus, I slaved all night. I worked hard to do what you said me to do, and you repay me by putting me in a dungeon? Crickets again. Crickets. But watch what Paul and Silas, what happens is, Paul and Silas begin to start praising God, and all of a sudden, boom, earthquake happens. Earthquake happens. They started singing praises, giving thanks. Thank you, Lord. I will tell you, in my flesh, I've had moments where God has done some amazing things, put us in situations where we've had to get through those amazing things, and right at the moment, okay, God, here's another big one coming, right? Test. <laughs> Will you praise me in the storm? Will you praise me in jail? Will you praise me when the chips are down? God didn't promise us a perfect life, but he said, he asked this, he... In fact, he commanded it. He says, I have ordained praise. I have ordained worship. I deserve your glory. The glory is all mine, says the Lord. I want your praise. And what we want to do is we want to manipulate and control our worlds because we, if it isn't, I'll praise you, Lord, when you answer my prayer the way I want it done. But when I'm in dungeon, will I praise him in jail? Will I praise him? And here's what I, here's what I want to share with you is that Paul and Silas got breakthrough. Not only did they eventually get released, they got released, but they also led this guy, the jailer, to the Lord. And his family got saved. Amen? That's awesome. That's awesome. And so while it was a ridiculously tough circumstance, 
While there was bad situations going, they began to offer praises and thanksgiving and singing to the Lord. Some of those scriptures you can look up and great things happen. So that is what we would call the prayer of thanksgiving, praise, and worship. There are actually three different prayers, but I put them together with the different scriptures. The prayer of agreement. That's where basically two or more people gather together and they say, yes, according to your word, Lord, yes, I agree. I am healed, delivered, and set free. You're getting together with someone and you're saying, it can be in any situation. You're, 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 you're at a point where you need, how many understand there's prayer power, there's power in numbers? God did not create us to just always pray alone. There's a time to pray together. There's a time to corporately pray together. And there's a time to pray on your own. But in this case, in this prayer, the prayer of agreement, Jesus talks about it in Philippians 4.19. He says, I will supply your every need. So one of the things that Hope and I do, 419, Philippians 4.19, we'll write down, okay, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches, right? And then we'll stand on that. And it's settled. Now, as we, we, sit that, we sit on that, there's other prayers as you go through this, as I go through this, that you're going to actually operate in several other prayers. Because not only have Hope and I uh, prayed in agreement on this issue, but we've actually, actually prayed a prayer of commitment, which I'm about to tell you about, because we've committed it to the Lord and we said, that's done. You getting this? It's settled. There's no doubting that. It's settled. So now we've prayed a prayer of commitment, which I'm going to get to in just a second. But I want to go through these just to give you the different types so that you know what to use, when to use them. Now, the prayer of intercession is 1 Timothy 2. 1 Timothy 2 and Ezekiel 22:30. Those are the best ones I came up with that the Lord gave me to kind of talk to you about standing in the gap. Do you know what the prayer of intercession is? It's praying for others. Praying for others. When God... How many of you ever had... Just in a random situation, I've had it in airports, I have it at home, I've had it in the shower, and the Lord says to me, start praying for someone, and you have no idea why. Just like that. Then you start moving into prayer. Now, now there's two ways to intercede, and some of it I'm going to talk about next week, but the prayer of intercession, Romans 8.26, says also that the Holy Spirit groans. Romans 8.26 says the Holy Spirit groans. He can make intercession. He makes intercession for us. That's also going to tie into our talking about prayer language or spiritual prayer language. How many of you know what that is? If you don't know what that is, you need to be here next week because I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to give you a quick highlight of that one in just a second. But the prayer of intercession is a simple this. It's simply this. is when God says, intercede and stand in the gap for the heart of others. How many understand that sometimes intercession is deep and it's tough and it's agonizing and you see people doing things you don't want them to do but you're praying and you're standing in the gap for them anyway which also will lead into a prayer of persistence because i'm going to talk about that are you seeing how these all work together if you if you have a care you you cast it to god and in this situation in depending on the situation you use the right prayer or prayers for it now praying in the spirit it's commonly, as I said, to refer to our prayer language. It is a tool. It is not the only tool. One of the things that for the sake of time, I'm not going to get into it today, but what the Lord told me to challenge you to next week, I'm going to basically hit the whole subject of our spiritual prayer language or commonly referred to as speaking in tongues. And I'm going to challenge you, instead of hiding and never telling your friends that you're going to church, I expect this entire place to be full next week because you're going to hear the most practical, anointed, unbelievable, God-believing, wonderful 
topic called tongues that will energize your prayer life. Amen? And I believe it's so strong that I'm willing here, I'm willing to bet that God will show up in a massive way. So instead of saying, oh, that's the week Pastor Ryan's going to talk on tongues and it's going to be weird and his head's going to roll back in the back of his eyes and he's going to start, you know, doing all kind of convulsive things and all the other ridiculous things that people talk about when tongues are talked about, I'm going to challenge you to be here. We're going to keep it real and it's going to be powerful. That's a tease. Praying in the Spirit. And by the way, it's something that... I think for too long people have made other people feel less than if you don't. And if you're a person that does, that's wrong. Because I've seen people that pray in tongues that are meaner than snakes. There are no spiritual superstars here. Boy, I'm on a tangent already. Am I giving you a little taste of this already? Okay. Because I want you to win. Remember that that tool in the bag there? I came from a, a, a background that was just like, oh, I don't want to do that. Can I ask you to just trust me on this one? Can we just trust me on this one? Be here next week, okay? We're going to hit the whole thing next week. Praying in the Spirit. Okay, prayer of consecration, Luke 22. Prayer of consecration. This is basically, uh, how many of you heard, if it be your will, Lord? How many ever prayed that prayer? Okay, I'm sweating. Uh, I'm energized because the ending of this thing, God is going to do an incredible move. I'm telling you, I'm already, I'm casting that vision before you because th- this message, I felt the warfare on it, so I know it's going to be strong. Amen? Now, the prayer of consecration, you know why? Because the enemy just does not want you to know this stuff. He does not want you to win. He wants the wrong prayer for the wrong time in the wrong situation with the wrong heart. And God says, enough of that, let's win. So that's why... That's probably why the warfare has been the way it's been. Now, the prayer of consecration, what, what I found in that, in the Bible, Jesus basically prayed that prayer at the garden right before he went to the cross. And it basically, it went along the lines of, nevertheless, your will be done. If it be your will, Lord, take this cup from me, but nevertheless, your will be done. Now, in, this is what they call a prayer of consecration or, Lord, I'm all yours. Whatever you want done, I'm doing it. Now, where people miss this is that they use the prayer of consecration really when they should be using the prayer of authority. You getting this? So, for instance, someone says, Lord, let me, let me give you an example. Lord, if it be your will, I would like to be debt-free. Wrong prayer. That's one we stand on agreement on. We cast our care on. That's a prayer of commitment. And then we say, by the authority of Jesus, by his stripes, I am healed. My finances are, I am debt free. That's a declaration. Standing on what God, because God's word says that I'm the head, not the tail. So you stand on that. That's a prayer. And that's an authoritative prayer. You're taking, you're commanding the devil to get off my finances. Hello? Okay. That's not an if, if it be thy will prayer. That's not a prayer because really our life Our whole life should be, Lord, I'm yours. And I will do your will. So the key revelation there, if you pray, now here's, this is going to, this is going to open your minds on this. Doubt, if you pray, uh, if it be your will, when we're supposed to be praying something in his will, and we know it's his will, do you realize that what we're doing is we're praying doubt? You're not taking God at his word. You're saying, well, Lord, I know that you want me to be, you know, but I'm not, and golly gee whiz, and hello. 
He does not want us in doubt. If his word says it, we can have it, and that's good enough for me. Hugely important here. Now, I say all this as we go through these prayers. If you don't know Jesus, the authority of the believer, which I'm going to get to in a second, isn't going to operate because you first have to tap into the power source, and that would be Jesus, and the power of his resurrection, which gives you the power to pray these types of prayers. So if you're not praying these kinds of prayers, you've got to check and ask yourself, okay, first of all, uh, if I know Jesus, I'm born again, I have the Holy Spirit in me. But if I never, ever want to worship God and I never want to praise God and I surely don't want to come to church and you're finding that in your heart all the time, you need to ask yourself a question. Do I know the real Jesus? Or do I know the Jesus that religion taught me to know? Because the, the real Jesus will open, he will blow your mind with his amazing things. His, he can download one idea and change your financial picture just like that. He can take your situation and turn it around just like that. Just like that. And yet, as we said last series, sometimes we limit God. And I'm here to tell you that I want your hopes up. Get your hopes up. Start believing God. Start believing for the good things that he has in your life. Because when I get to heaven, he's going to go, Kibby, you sold them way too high on how good I want to treat them. He's not going to say that. You, you preached way too much faith. We get such pushback from our culture that they make fun of people like me. But I'm honest enough to tell you that sometimes I don't like preaching the faith messages because if I don't see the immediate results, then I start to doubt, and I hate doubt. And I don't want you to doubt. And I want us to win, and I want you to win, and I want people outside of the four walls to win. So these prayers are very, very important. Now, the prayer of confession... The prayer of confession is really where it all operates, where it starts from. Because if I don't confess Jesus as Lord in Romans 10, 9, that's a prayer of confession. That we confess with our mouth that he's Lord, and then we make him our Lord. There's a difference between confessing Jesus as Savior and making him our Lord. Lord, you're my Savior on Sunday, but on Monday, you're not my Lord. I'll give you this aspect of my life, but... I, I'm preaching really tough right now, but I, I'm doing it because sometimes I exhort and sometimes, like a loving dad, sometimes you have to go, here's a quick spanking. Hello? If I always told you how much God loves you and, and, uh, and how much he wants to do for you, but you don't want to obey squat, that's not balanced preaching. You have a role to play in the story. You let him love you, give you revelation of his goodness. If there's one thing I want you to get out of here, all of your piggy sin and mine doesn't faze him. He died. He dealt with it 2,000 years ago. He wants you to win, but you have to obey his command because he's got good plans for your life. Great ones. And, and these prayers that he's unleashing, that he wants to arm you with, are not because he already knows the prayers. He wants you to operate it because he's got, he knows you have an enemy that wants to keep you from him and the good things that he has for you. So the prayer of persistence is another one I want to talk about. And commitment. We talked about the prayer of commitment. I'm putting those scriptures up here. 1 Peter 5, 7, cast your cares. That's saying, Lord, I'm in a pickle. I don't know how to get out of it. I'm in a pickle, but I'm going to give this one to you because you, Jesus, are my source. So it's yours. Matthew 7 talks about asking, seeking, and knocking. Now on the surface, wouldn't that sound a little contradictory? If I'm asking God, Lord, 
I'm asking you for this. I'm asking you for a breakthrough here. I'm asking you for this job at this company. And you keep asking. Perhaps if you ask, seek, and knock, and that job and that door doesn't open on, perhaps you weren't to have that particular job. And also, if you're asking for things that violate God's word, a loving father would not answer them, correct? For instance, Lord, I would like to open up a pornography shop next door. I don't care if you're, if you're his kid, how much he loves you. He's not going to open that door for you if he loves you. Amen? And he does love you. And it would violate his word. Now, that's a dramatic example, in which we're going to talk about some of the roadblocks later about when we pray. Sometimes we pray a little selfish. Anybody ever here honestly never prayed a selfish prayer? I've prayed them all the time. God's dealt with me on that. Because when I start focusing on my circumstances when I pray, and oh Lord this, and oh Lord that, and I take my eyes off Jesus, then the world around me becomes my God. It becomes my idol. And what God is saying, look to me, and I'm your source, and I'm your everything. And I'll supply it all. What you need, not what you want. Because what you want like my little kids, they, if I let on Marissa, she'd plow through a bag of candy so fast it'd make your head spin. And then she'd be puking uh, a lot afterwards and my wife would be in my ear. I can't believe you let her do that. So that's not being a good daddy. A good daddy is setting proper boundaries because I know what's best for my kids. A loving daddy does that. Now let me flip this around. Some of you have been beaten down by religion when you've prayed over the years that you've looked at your heavenly father who loves you deeply and you're begging him for bread and he's saying i provided that with jesus come to me and understand who i am and i'll give you what you need and actually i'll give you more than what you need so that you can be a blessing to others and advance my kingdom and honor my name to god be the glory to god be the glory the prayer of persistence and commitment ask seek and knock they're actually, you can be used together. Lord, I'm asking this way. If that door doesn't open, I'm going to go to the next door. I'm going to knock down the next door. If that one, but either way, my care, I give it to you. Do you see how they work together? You don't have to stress about it while you're going through it. That's how they work together. I'm just about done with these. The prayer of confession and the prayer of confession and the prayer of persistence. When you confess something... People talk about, are you talking about that if I claim a Lamborghini out the next door, that you're saying there's going to be a Lamborghini when I walk out the door? I don't, I don't read that here. I can petition. But, you know, if, I've, if I'm 16 years old and I'm a good dad, and you know, if I'm 16 years old and my son, I buy him a, or if, I, if my son, when he turns 16, let's say I give him a Buick. And he wrecks that sucker right out the chute. Of course, it'll be a, nothing against Buicks. I'm not... I personally wouldn't drive a Buick, but that's another story. So my 16-year-old drives this tank or whatever. I mean, it's this big tank of a Buick, okay. And, uh, you know, within two minutes of driving, he wrecks it. So he comes back to me, hey, Dad, that, that car wasn't good enough. Can I have a Lamborghini? What do you think my answer will be? And, and it's not only no because, son, that's a ridiculous chunk of change. It's also no. It, and actually, I mean, 
If I was motivated enough to move heaven and earth, we would do just about, if you're honest, any of us in here would do just about anything to move heaven and earth to help our kids. But we all know that that's a ridiculous want, that we shouldn't give a kid a car who just wrecked it to that extent. It's just ridiculous. In fact, what I'd do is I'd just get one of Levy's big trucks back there, and I would just, that big old tank, and I would just get a big old uh, army truck or something and put him in. Are you guys getting this? Okay. All right, so the, the prayer of petition has to line up with the word of God. It can't violate his other commandments. And so it's important to know what God thinks and how he thinks about it in order to ask him for it in accordance with his word. You have every right to ask God for raises. You have every right to ask God for the manifestation of healing. You have every right to ask God for a spouse. You have every right to ask God for relationships restored. Amen? Now, what to do when the rubber meets the road, what to do when you have the prayer and the answer. How do I get from A to Z and what happens in between? And that's where so many of us, even your pastor, struggles. I have things written down. Hope and I, you can ask her. We have things we've been standing on that I, without a doubt, know that prayer was answered the moment I prayed it, but the manifestation hasn't happened yet. And when it comes about, I will get up here and remind you of that. And I will tell you that God answered that. Now, here's one thing that I will tell you. The fact that you're right here today and the fact that I'm actually able to preach to you today is an answer to one of those prayers. Because five years ago, if you would have said, if I'm qualified, uh, if I had enough spirituality or, or whatever, or I was this wonderful, lovable Amazing, you can say amazing, that's fine. Just kidding. But I wouldn't have dreamed it because honestly, I didn't think I had what it takes. But what God got revelation into me was that, son, you don't have to have what it takes. I've got what it takes. And it took away my fear like that. Not many people walk away from a six-figure salary to start a profession unless they know they've heard God and they've become a pastor to do that unless they've heard God. And I will tell you from A to Z, from here to here, I've had many opportunities to doubt, but I do that first Peter five, seven thing and I cast my care. I'm not asking you to do anything I haven't done before. Amen. In fact, it'd be a hypocritical thing of mine to say to you, yep, you need to do this. Bless God. Yep. You need to do this. Bless God. And I'm not willing to do what I'm asking you to do, but it's really what God is asking all of us to do. Amen. So the prayer that we need to use in every situation is something we need to go to the Father for. But I wanted to arm you with some of these. Now, the prayer of authority is the last one I want to talk about. And that is the one where we talked about Jesus, when he went about doing good, destroying the works of the enemy, he didn't say, Lord or Father, if it be your will, do this. He just went and said, demon, come out of him in Jesus' name. Fever, I rebuke you, come out. You getting this? Okay. So when things... When the enemy, you know it's the enemy, and you're not, it's not God resisting you. You know it's the enemy. You have every right to use what Jesus bought for you on that cross and say, this will not stand, this will not pass, this will not go. You get your hands off me. You get your hands off my kids. You leave them alone in Jesus' name. I rebuke you. You foul, wretched disease. Get out of my body in Jesus' name. Amen? That's a prayer of authority. 
And God has every right. He is, we are his ambassadors. That means we speak for the king. So when you speak for the king, you speak for the king. So your words are his words and his words, you've been empowered to speak them. So when you go into a foreign land and you're an ambassador and you speak those words, you have the full backing of your king. Full backing. Full backing of your king. Now, what happens when you don't know the king? Let's turn to Acts 19. Acts 19, and this is a, a group. They were quite religious, quite spiritual in their minds, but they didn't have the power. And they, they were the seven sons of Siva. Acts 19, verse 13. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, We exorcise you by the Jesus whom Pastor Ryan preaches. Also, there were seven sons of Siva, a Jewish chief priest who did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus, I know. Paul, I know. Pastor Ryan, I know. But who the heck are you? Now, my wife's going to talk a little bit about this in, in later in the series. But if you're not in the presence, you won't have the power. Time in the presence he downloads the power. And if you want to know how to pray, God will tell you everything you need to know, when you need to know it. But we can't have McDonald's drive through time with our Father in heaven and expect powerful results. Boy. <laughs> I feel... Wow. Yeah, the... <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. I... Uh, I've got an irritating anointing on me today. Then the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, overpowered them and prevailed against them. They fled out of that house naked and wounded. So what I get from this, and I keep it kind of simple, is if I'm trying to live off the coattails of someone else's faith and use their little magic formula to get the enemy off my life, I'm going to get pounded, abused, and battered. Do you see why it's so important to be a part of a life-giving church, to be a part of a body, to not, you know, avoid the things of God and the presence of God? Do you realize that most Americans now attend church who would consider themselves regular three times out of every eight? And in Wisconsin, it's even more ridiculous, I'm sure, especially during summer, right? You guys are here. Why? Because you want to be here because the things of God matter to you. At least they do today, right? They matter. You get what you want. You get, you reap what you sow. If you sow time in with God, guess what? God will sow time back into you. Now, he cares for us either way, guys. It's not a magic formula, but God's word is there for us to obey because he wants us to win, to know him, and to make him known. I give you this one, the example of hunting. You could take a BB gun on a bear hunt, but that will not get the job done. Fishing. You don't go salmon fishing with a crappie rig. And you don't pray without the power. And to get the power, you have to know the one who gives you the power. And to get that power, we have to spend time in his presence. So what to do when the results are not immediate? What to do when I'm here and Pastor Ryan, I'm struggling, I'm right here, and I know I need to get here? What to do? Glad you asked that question. 1 Kings 18. 
This is the, the close. I'm going to spend about five minutes on this. And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year saying, Go, present yourself to Ahab and I will send rain on the earth. So God tells Elijah that rain is coming. You have to understand that he also told Elijah that there's going to be a drought. And then he said, go to the big shot king and you tell that guy it's going to be a drought. Well, how many of you would like to go to the big shot king who could behead you and tell him that there's going to be a drought? First of all, how many of you would honestly obey that? So he had the guts to do that, but he had the backing of the king. He had the king of kings backing him. So he does that. Now God speaks to Elijah now. It's three years later. Rain is coming, Elijah. Face your enemy. Tell him what I'm going to do. Enforce my word and rain will come. Rain is a type of the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, rain was symbolic of the flowing of the Holy Spirit and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I want you to, this is critical that you follow this. Because I want you to see something here. Now, I've, I've talked to you before about, in 1 Kings, how Elijah called down fire from heaven. He had a showdown. They had idols. There were idols in the, in the camp. There were idols that that, that, that nation was worshiping. And it, that's why they were in a drought. So God's about to do an amazing new thing. But the first thing that Elijah has to do is he has to face the idols and the idol worshipers and the king who created the culture of idol worship. Does this sound familiar at all? Now he's got to stare it down, but he needs power to do that. And you can't tell me he wasn't a little afraid. And not only does he do that, he says, hey, we're going to have this showdown. Your God, my God, your God, if he deals with, he brings fire down, then we'll know. And if mine does, we'll know. So not only does Elijah do that, he pours water over his altar, which they were in a drought. Water was expensive. And God brings the fire down on Elijah's altar. These guys over here, they're just cutting they're just seven sons of Siva, just cutting, chanting, working their magic formulas, because why? They didn't know God. Elijah knew God. Now here's the part that I want to get to. Remember I told you in the 18th chapter that he promised rain. When, God, when Elijah called down fire from heaven, it was instantaneous. Have you noticed that rain has not come yet? So God has delivered him but he's delivered Elijah. He's taken care of him. He's dealt with the sin in the camp. But now, where's the rain? Because the rain is going to replenish the land. It's going to bring prosperity to the land. It's going to give people jobs. It's going to, are you guys getting this, America? Rain's coming, folks. Rain's coming. But something had to happen right before that. The sin had to be dealt with. The sin had to be dealt with. And it was painful for not only the people getting carved up, but when you deal with the idols in our lives, when these things happen like this, it's painful. Precious. Oh, precious. Hey, precious, mine. Can't have it. Crickets again. Rain hasn't come. The enemy is defeated, but now he wants to... Now Elijah wants to see some rain. Two major keys to being a rainmaker, enforce the results, and stand on God's word. God told Elijah it will rain, but he had to obey it. So when God spoke on the matter, Elijah settled it. He acted in obedience and enforced it, and we should do likewise. We are his ambassadors. Now, I want to go to 
the, uh, the second part of the story, 18, 1 Kings 18, verse 41. Then Elijah said to Ahab, Go up, eat and drink, for there is the sound of the abundance of rain. There is the sound of the abundance of rain. You see, Elijah had something in here. He could hear that rain coming. No one was going to talk him out of that. He could hear that rain coming. Now he's telling someone else about it. Rain's coming. And Ahab's probably, first of all, dazed and confused over what just happened. But second of all, he's looking at Elijah. And after just what happened, don't you think the king might listen to the prophet now? Folks, I'm, I'm trying to get this to you because I want, I want you to honestly win. And in order to win, I'm going to ask you to look and stare down precious. Stare it down. Have the guts. Because when rain comes, folks, you're not going to believe what God can do in your life. And I want rain to come. Anyone want rain to come? Well, here's how it happens. So Elijah's talking about it. He's talking about it. He's talking about it. So Ahab, in verse 42, went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went to the top of Carmel, and he bowed down on the ground, and he put his face between his knees. Now, I find it interesting contract. Uh, uh, Ahab sitting here stuffing his gourd, drinking beer and brats and, you know, all that stuff, and here is Elijah. He's in the praying position. Lord, ready. And he said to his servant, Elijah did, go up now and look toward the sea. So he went up and looked and said, there's nothing. And seven times later, now, from the time that you pray that prayer, do you think Elijah had an opportunity to doubt? What do you think that conversation with his servant was like? I don't know, man. I think you had some pizza last night that just didn't set well or something because uh, I don't know if you're hearing right. You notice in the scripture it doesn't say that he starts to recant his confession of what God told him. Hello? Go again. There's nothing. Seven times he said, go again. I'm sure the servant got tired of it. So, persistence here. Elijah just watched God bring down fire. Do you understand that when you get a win with God and you build an altar and you remember exactly what he did in the past, that same God that delivered you from the past can deliver you in the future and in the present, right here, right now, because rain is coming. He didn't forget. He had Fox News trying to tell him, I don't know what you're smoking, there's no rain coming. He had CNN telling him, oh, there's wars and rumors of wars. I don't know what you're smoking, preacher. Maybe I want some of what you're smoking. Good news is good news. America, wake up. Rain's coming. And you have to deal with that. Before we get the rain, we have to look at Precious and go, Precious, you're dead. But I want my Precious. Because my Precious is all my identity. And I, my identity is in Christ. Shut up, Gollum. <laughs> Shut up. My identity is in Christ. I don't know what your precious is. I know what mine was. I had many preciouses. I like my booze, therefore I drink a lot of it. To the point where it nearly killed me. I like my addictions because that defines who I was. That was where I was at. And every little thing. But see, the reason America 
in so many ways. We want the rain, but we don't want to do what it takes to get legitimate rain. So we conjure up little formulas in the churches and in the country and in the government to manufacture artificial rain. It's not the blessing of God. It's a significant debt. And Pastor Arnie talks about being aware. We need to wake up and understand we've got to stare down these idols. This was supposed to be on prayer, but it's morphed into a little bit of idol delt. We're dealing with some idols today. That's not my fault. That's the Lord's fault. And obviously there's a reason he wants me to do it. But then it came to pass the seventh time he said, there's a cloud as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. So he said, go up, say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down. That's preparation. Verse 45, now it happened in the meantime, the sky became black with clouds and wind and there was what? Not just rain, heavy rain. Heavy rain. Folks, there's rain coming. There's rain coming. The rain of his blessings are coming. But we, we have to do two things. We have to start believing God's word, get rid of the doubt, and start obeying what he says.